Welcome back, fans, to Voices of Combat, brought to you by Combat Academia. It's your boy, Val Cisco, a.k.a. Lucha Val Cisco, welcoming you all to a beautiful 2022. It's a new year, new fights, new rivalries, so let's get started because this podcast specifically, we're going to be breaking down UFC 270. In a short little recap, just my thoughts and opinions on the event itself, but guys, welcome back if you're new to the podcast. Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're not and you're reoccurring, hey guys, thanks for checking in one more time. Like I said, let's get started. I'm riding Dolo today. My boy Jay Rance is not going to be with us, but hey, he had his thoughts on this event as well too. So let's get started from the headliner right here. UFC 270 in versus vs. Gan was a mixed martial arts event produced by the Ultimate Fighting Championship that took place on January 22, 2022 at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. Let's go Ducks! Uh, this is the first pay-per-view of 2022 and guys, I think we were all salivating over another banger of a pay-per-view and definitely this was. From top to bottom, there were matches that were incredible from start to finish and even with the last match being a little bit of a lull I gotta say it was very impressive from a technical point of view the UFC Heavyweight Championship title unification bout between current champion Francis Ngannou and interim champion Cyril Gaon served as the event's headliner the UFC's Flyweight Championship trilogy bout between current champion Brandon Moreno and former champion Davison Figueredo took place at this event as well too as the co-main event the pairing first met at two, UFC 256 on December 12, 2020, which ended up in a majority draw, with Figueredo retaining the title. Their second meeting took place at UFC 263 at June 12, 2021, where Moreno captured the title by submission in the third round. The rematch was originally expected to take place at UFC 269, but it was moved to this event. There were a couple other fights that were supposed to take place at this event including Jared Kandanier and Derek Brunson but it was scheduled for a later event at UFC 271 along with a couple other fights as well too. Now guys Honda Center, California ruckus crowd, sold out event I gotta say my peak interest was at an all time high. I was heavily invested in this Nganu gone main event i felt like these were the best of the best when it came to the heavyweight division for right now with gone being a surreal kind of contender the interim heavyweight champion of the world was a sniper he was a guy coming in undefeated with a variety of weapons at his disposal whereas Nganu was one punch power knockout so this was a scary event but i gotta say the match that I think everyone was invested in 
including the crowd and the attendance at home as well too, was the trilogy match between Moreno and of course Figueredo. I think these guys have had an awesome rivalry for the past two years. The smack talking has been real. Both of these guys coming with a bunch of confidence into this fight. And I gotta say, to me, this was the fight of the night. This was the fight that everyone was super invested in, especially from start to finish. Especially with the questionable, maybe not so questionable result at the end. Guys, let's start from the top of the card right here. Ending in a unanimous decision, 48-47, 48-47, and 49-46, Francis Ngannou defended his World Heavyweight Championship against the intern champion Cyril Gaon to unify the Heavyweight Championship of the world. Gotta say, coming into this fight, I kinda knew that the styles would clash just a tad bit. I wouldn't say this was a boring fight whatsoever, it was definitely a chess match. Looking at Cyril Gaon's game plan going into this match, we knew that he had the cardio and he had the ability to put away Francis Ngannou. Ngannou, although he showed some improvement with his endurance, those five rounds were going to be taxing if he was going to unload in the first two rounds. And that's exactly what we saw. The first two rounds were basically gone pecking at Ngannou, doing a couple of leg strikes, little leg kicks, spinning kicks as well too, to see exactly what could damage or maybe even hurt Ngannou. Now I gotta say, nothing really hurt Ngannou whatsoever in these two rounds. I definitely felt that that Cyril was kind of just taxing some points, getting some points, sticking and moving, going in and out those first two rounds. And of course, Ngannou, Francis was basically, not one, I wouldn't say a punching bag, but he was definitely absorbing shots but looking for the best way to get in and do some damage. He wasn't going ahead and gonna throw lunch boxes the first two rounds and expend all that energy. I think he was a smart man going into this, a smart champion going into this. He wasn't gonna waste all his energy in those first two rounds. The third round comes and Ngannou catches one of these kicks from, from Cyril does his best Rampage Jackson slam, puts him on his back, and did some groundwork. Now, I wouldn't say this is the most impressive groundwork whatsoever. This is not GSP. This is not Covington. But super impressive from a man that has been training now with um, uh, Kamar Usman. And you can definitely see it's paying off. Uh, great control on the ground. Even though he wasn't really throwing a lot of punches, his ground control was pretty decent. And to hold down someone like Gon, who is an expert at submissions on the ground, especially off his back, I mean, this was pretty impressive. Now, mo most people can say, oh, he was just using his weight just to hold him down. And I could argue that as well, too. But it really was impressive to see a man who had a lot of issues in the wrestling department now overcoming those issues and implementing a different kind of strategy. Very impressive. Same went into the fourth round where Ngana was throwing some body shots and then of course another takedown. A takedown from Nganu and then a little bit more control. We saw a little sticky situation where Gan caught him in a ankle hook but you know, there was no wasted motion from Nganu whatsoever. He got out of it and was able to almost grab his back and get a submission in. Uh, very impressed by Nganu's ground game. It wasn't, like I said, this extraordinary effort, but to see him 
add a couple of more layers in his fight game is pretty impressive. By the fifth round, both men were pretty gassed with, I would honestly say, gone a little bit more pep to his step. But these guys once again went back and forth and of course Ngannou gained that last takedown really cemented the deal with Ngannou retaining that championship. Um, it's going to be interesting, very interesting what Ngannou does next. He did say this is the last fight that he was going to get paid five hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for me, man. Hey, I'm a broke guy from Arizona, originally from the Bronx, New York, but I, I, I can say I can agree with him on that side. The pay scale for the UFC, hell, the pay scale for MMA altogether has been a little inconsistent. And of course, when you're looking at people take one boxing match to make a what a million dollars to two million dollars, there's something that has to give when it comes to these fighters' pay. These fighters getting paid, excuse me. Francis Ngannou, what lays for him next in this division? We did get a tweet from Johnny Bones, who really hasn't fought in the last, I want to say, what, two years almost? Um, trying to make a heavyweight debut, but of course has been arguing with the UFC about uh, fighters' pay as well, too. Basically saying, not verbatim, that he wasn't impressed with the division. If this is what the best of the division gives, or has to give, then he's basically going to break some records and make history again. So, we'll see what happens with Johnny Bones going into this division right here. But, Cyril Gunn, a guy that's going to learn from this. Definitely he has that O oh, gotta go now, that O oh, is gone, and he is one... That one loss goes to Nganu, and the fight where I believe he thought that he possibly could have won in every department. This is only going to make this fighter 10 times better. He's going to go back to the drawing board, figure out what to do, and come back as a better fighter as usually these fights go. I see a lot of upside for his career, especially um, doing some wrestling defense, some submission offense, and maybe pulling the trigger a little bit earlier. A lot of times he had that advantage in the first two rounds of just pecking leg kicks, body kicks, and head kicks as well too. Maybe he just needs that killer instinct just to put somebody away early instead of just looking for those opportunities. But who knows? I'm not a coach. Good fight, good fight. It wasn't a great fight, but it was a decent fight. As to the co-main event... Davison Figueredo in a unanimous decision, 48-47, 48-47, and 48-47, defeats the champion Brandon Moreno to regain the flyweight championship of the world. A little controversial, I gotta say, but not too controversial as well, too. This fight was a banger from start to finish. Let me take a sip of my coffee. Mm-hmm. Folgers in your cup. Now, I gotta say this. Interesting fight to start off with. The first two rounds definitely gave it to Moreno. Moreno was a monster coming in fully confident. You can see this was a different Moreno. He had so much confidence going into this fight. This was not the humble Moreno we're pretty much used to. This was a guy with an agenda, look intimidating, be confident look like a champion and he definitely did those first two rounds he was throwing as much as he can head kicks body punches um um great combinations a great jab that was really hurting figueredo hell throughout the whole night i think a lot of these punches were hurting figueredo because of the fact that every time figueredo went in a couple of punches pop 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 jab and a combination really stunned him for him to back up again 
but I gotta say the story of the match was the leg kicks. The leg kicks from Figueredo were devastating. Starting up from round 1 all the way to round 5, these leg kicks paid dividends because of the fact that they were stunting the punching power of Moreno altogether. Altogether, especially saw that in the last couple of rounds, the punching power was not there. Um, did he sacrifice those two rounds? Definitely, but I gotta say, from round three, this is where the tide started turning a tad bit. I could argue with a lot of people, and I saw this as well too, because I had Moreno kind of winning this fight, where the volume of strikes went to Moreno, but the accuracy kind of went to Figueredo, especially dropping Moreno in that third round. Um, very scary. Uh, the whole family, when they were looking at this match, they were like, oh, Moreno slipped. When they got that replay, no, it was flush. Flush on the jaw, went down, and it could have been very, very deadly. Especially where uh, Figueredo almost caught a guillotine on Moreno before the round ended. So, scary situation. We don't know what, it what would have happened in that third round. It wasn't as flush as I thought it would be for the guillotine, but still, it was a scary situation. Going to the fourth round again... Um, the leg kicks, the leg kicks from Figueredo were great, and I gotta say, training with Henry Cejudo in this match as well too, Figueredo had a lot of different stylistics in this match, he wasn't going as crazy as we're used to, just going into the brawl, having a brawl, trying to go opponents in, hell, that, if anything, that was, that was, um, Brandon's kind of MO in this match, trying to counterfight a little bit in the last rounds, trying to engage, let me psych out Figueredo, but Figueredo, no man, Figueredo was poised, he was patient, he was looking for opportunities to strike, those leg kicks were devastating. I gotta point this out though, toward the later rounds, Moreno was starting to do some leg kicks as well too, he did this spinning leg kick to the calf twice, or at least three times in a match that were ultra devastating and his inside leg kicks were awesome as well too but the accuracy and the precision from Figueredo those leg kicks really paid dividends in this match a couple of body shots that hurt him as well too and again the later rounds dropped him again so, uh, multiple times, Moreno was dropped in this fight. I could definitely say the last two rounds went to Figueredo. That third round is kind of sketchy. That third round is kind of sketchy. And I really think maybe it was the mix of the takedown, because there was a few takedowns in this match. A few takedowns and the drops that maybe edged Figueredo to get the win, but I don't agree on the unanimous decision. If anything, this should have been a split decision, because most people did have the favorite in the Honda Center, Moreno, the uh, former champion, ahead of the cards. But I digress. We saw Figueredo reclaim the flyweight championship of the world. Very humbled as well, too. Actually granting a rematch, telling the UFC, telling Dana White that, hey, let's do a part four. This part four is warranted. This means something right now. This is history in the making. And let's cement history. Let's do it on his terms. Let's go to Mexico. Let's make a card in Mexico, okay? Let's have that card defending in Mexico for the flyweight championship of the world, and I'll beat him in his home turf. Man, that sends shockwaves right there, because this is the hottest the flyweight division has been since, I want to say, maybe Demetrius Johnson in those early days. 
maybe, but I think this rivalry is what the flyweight division needed. It was such a great, great, great fight, and I believe this should have been the main event. People were anticipating, salivating over this fight, and they got a great fight out of this. So good for Davison Figueiredo reclaiming the flyweight championship of the world, being a badass Brazilian he was. Brandon Moreno still humble as well too. He said he had some adjustments he needed to make as well, and he's ready. He's ready for that rematch. So let's see if Dana White actually gives us that. I want it. That's the part four we definitely need. As my boy Jay Rand said earlier today, this is a fight, a part four, a fight four, that's warranted. This, you know, this is not no Connor versus Dustin Poirier four. No, this is a part four that actually makes sense, okay? Let's get down to the third match of the night. If I mispronounce names, I do apologize, guys, but this might, this fight was a welterweight fight uh, with Michael Perea, I want to say it, Perea, right? Defeating, defeating Andre Fialo, Fialo, Fialo. I'm gonna say it just like that. Jay Rance is probably rolling right now. Um, through a unanimous decision once again. 29-28, 29-28, and 29-28. Pereira takes the victory in almost what I gotta say a fight at night performance as well too these guys really went out there to whip each other's ass and i gotta say andre in the first two rounds i saw andre really putting on a dominant performance these two went back and forth but i think michael needs to wake up a tad bit in this fight i don't know what it was but i think michael really just wasn't in the right mindset going into this fight in the first two rounds he just seemed a little different going into the octagon but by the third round we saw freaking michael tear it up and a little bit in the second round as well too but the third round is definitely where we saw michael really come out there throwing combinations throwing caution into the wind and really just sparking up a lot of a lot of volume in his in his attacks this may have stolen the fight altogether in that third round i gotta say the second round was a toss-up for me i don't agree on the unanimous decision but i gotta say that second round i can say it's a toss-up but if you want to give it to to michael definitely you could this was a, a exciting welterweight uh, performance right here this division is so deep right now it is so deep that you need to have extraordinary performances to get there to the top 10, maybe top 5 echelon of that division. Now, when looking at these two fighters into this, into this um, exchange, if you will, do I feel that both of these men should maybe crack the top 7, maybe top 8? I don't know, man. I don't know. Both men were throwing caution into the wind, and maybe a more skilled striker would have dissected their opponent a tad bit earlier or smarter to put away that opponent from either side, from either side. Um, it's going to be very interesting because there are a lot of snipers in that division. You're looking at Michael Chiesa. You're looking at um, Leon Edwards, so, uh, Neil Magny. There's so many people out there that are devastating, that are experienced strikers that will go out there and try to perform extraordinary with more tools to the, in their in their in their arsenal um, than their opponents have either opponent had so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens but hey this was a great fight to put on this card in the bantamweight division say Nurmaga Madoff makes his return to take on a game Cody Stamen now this match ends at 47 seconds in the first round, and I gotta say, this was the dumbest performance I've seen all night. Great job by 
Nirmaga Madoff because he saw what the game plan was. He knew what the assignment was and he applied it to the, to this test right here. Um, Stamen talking a lot of garbage going into this fight saying that he was going to out-wrestle Nirmaga Madoff, that he was going to out-strike Nirmaga Madoff, that he was doing this to make a statement in the Bantamweight division, that he was not going to be just a name that Sade was going to put on his list, but Sade comes out there and... I wouldn't even say a dominating performance because it really was a dumb move. Stamen comes out, immediately tries to go for a double leg, tries to go for a double leg, and of course, gets caught in a guillotine, and Tappity taps out! What the fuck, man? Like, that was your game plan. Do you know that these Russian motherfuckers wrestle bears? These guys go to town. These guys go to town, like, just in the cold, just... You know, eating snow and breaking ice with their elbows. Like, these guys, all they do is train. And especially in wrestling. In submission wrestling as well, too. Why the hell would you try to implement this kind of dominance so early in the fight? You're dry. You're ready. Like, you're not building up that sweat yet to kind of pull yourself out of predicaments. No, you're going in there, you know, dry as a version. <laughs> and... What the hell is happening? What what was the game plan here? I just don't know. Could it have been a dive? Maybe. I doubt it. I just think it was overconfidence. Overconfidence from someone who wanted to prove their wrestling dominance over an elite wrestler that comes out of the Naga Madoff camp. And that camp is devastating. Look at the killers that are in that camp and look how dominating they are in every division that they're in at the moment in time. Like, why you would do that, I have no idea. But... Sade gets the victory. He's going to be very interesting to see in the Bantamweight division. Another division that's really making strides on so many contenders and so many controversial figures with uh, Aljo there, with uh, Pitya Yang there, with Aldo there, Frankie Egger still looming around, you know, so many people, Sean O'Malley in around, TJ Dillashaw around, so many people help. Uh, the former champion as well, too. Dominic Cruz around. So it's going to be very interesting to see what this band of weight division holds for 2022. A lot of killers. A lot of killers. I'm interested to see the future in this division. And of course, we go back to the welterweight division with Michael Morales, the young gun. And this guy, I believe, was 22 years old as well, too. Making, I believe this is just his UFC debut. Uh, taking on... Uh, Trevin Giles and this guy coming out of San Antonio, Texas. This guy was trained by the best in Houston as well, too. So it was very interesting to see what he was going to do. He was another person that really did not want to be just a name on somebody's new record. But Morales, man, he was testing this match. This was a brilliant opener. This match ended by TKO punches in the first round at four minutes and zero seconds with Morales getting the victory. Man, the Ecuadorian Mexican really came out to shine over here because he was in trouble in that first couple of minutes. In those first minutes, I felt like uh, Giles really was putting it on him. He was going back and forth, throwing some great combinations, growing some great cage control as well, too. But it wasn't until Morales really just started counter-striking and figuring out the game plan and really sizing him up, a smart fighter, to make those adjustments in the first round while getting hurt in the process, goes out there and just starts throwing bombs. 
And then, of course, we got the stoppage from TKO. Now, a lot of people were on Twitter saying that this was a uncalled stoppage, that he still had uh, gas in the tank. I disagree. I disagree. If you are not intelligently defending yourself on the ground, what that means is if you're not scrambling, if you're not throwing punches back, if you're not doing anything to get up, then you are not defending yourself. I'm sorry. You just can't stay there and taking punches. The referee is going to intervene. Okay, we've seen so many times where we've wanted fights to stop because so many unanswered punches were being thrown, which can contr uh, contribute to so much brain trauma issues later on in your life. So of course, this was a warranted stoppage, bro. You're on the ground, you're 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 barely covering yourself, and you're getting hammered on. And then you want to complain about the stoppage afterwards? No, bro. No. Scramble. Try to get out of the position. Try your best to get up. Work as much as possible. I know you're getting hurt, bro. I know you're getting hurt, but you can't complain to the referee about a stoppage when you're getting hammered on the side of your head. I'm sorry. That's not how it goes. Were you trying to wait for the clock to run? Bro, this ain't no point system. This is mixed martial arts. Go out there and do your fucking best. Now, Morales, bro, you have a a beautiful future. You're 22 years old. You're fresh in the UFC. You're in a division full of killers. Like I said about the match earlier with uh, Michael Perea, I probably botched that name right there. Perea, Perea. <laughs> that this division has so many killers in the top 10, hell, even in the top 15. So, looking at a performance like this, he made a lot of mistakes going into it, but he's intelligent enough to actually. Um, regroup and figure out what to do to get out of sticky situations now that's gonna actually help him later on in his career because he has that confidence and that know-how to get himself out of situations like this so early now what i say going into this right here great starting match i want to see what he does with a person that can really take him down and implement that grinding aspect to see if they could break his will um, it's a test. I don't want to see his will broken whatsoever. I just want to see him get tested to the point where there's really no escape. You know, you have a person like a Michael Chiesa that can just drag you down to the floor and keep you there and suffocate you. Um, what's going to happen then? I want that test right here, but not just yet. It, it, you know, a couple more matches. This guy could be devastated in that division. You know, he, he does. He definitely looks like Gilbert. He, he definitely looks like Gilbert. Um... It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be very interesting to see what happens with this man. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm highly optimistic. Um, and that's your main card for UFC 270, man. Uh, a lot of great, exciting fights. A couple of controversial decisions, but I I won't go too crazy on it right now because I believe that those decisions were warranted, and I believe the right people won this match. Um, a lot of surprises. And a lot of great things happening. A lot of great things happening this week. We have Bellator happening, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, Glendale to be specific, headlining by Ryan Bader trying to get the World Light Heavyweight Championship away back again into his grasp. We also have next Saturday as well, too. Fight night. Um, Hermanson taking on Shane Strickland as well, too. That's going to be a great fight as well. So a lot of great fights happening this week. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this right here. I know I was rambling. I know I was mispronouncing things. But hey, my boy Jay Rance usually has that checklist there. Me, myself, I just try to bring the passion as much as possible. Guys, follow us again on Facebook at combat academia follow us on instagram at combat academia and of course follow us on twitter at combat academia this podcast 
pod about <laughs> Voices of Combat and Combat Academia is on all podcast platforms out there from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Stitcher and other forms as well too so please like rate review subscribe if you thought this sucked please let us know as well too but i had a lot of fun today guys this is our first banger 2022 hopefully you guys follow us for more content out there we're gonna try to be as consistent as possible when it comes to these fight nights or big events as well too we're not just gonna cover the ufc hell if one championship has a great event we're gonna cover it if bellator has a great event we're gonna cover it we're gonna do our best go to the facebook page go to the instagram page and the twitter page there's so much content out there thank you guys again i'm out take care peace